Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, May 6th, 2020. I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Happy midweek, everybody. Today we have what is now a classic short news day interview combo. So I'm going to briefly take you through the news. And then the back half of this episode, or back 30 minutes of this episode, James sat down with Broadway stage manager Matthew Aaron Stern, who has run the show for over 20 Broadway productions. He is also the founder of the Broadway Stage Management Symposium, which comes up at the end of this month, and has switched to a virtual conference this year. I imagine a very organized one at that. So stick around to hear more about that. Before we get into the meat for today, I have to send you over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon to back us if you haven't already and are able to do so. Your support means the world to us in these trying times. All right, we start today as we usually do these days, and that's with the latest COVID-19 theater update. As we already know, Broadway theaters will remain closed through at least June 7th, and we've heard a lot of predictions regarding when we can expect to get back to some form of normal. In Tuesday's press conference, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio spoke about the future for the city, particularly before year's end. According to the mayor, we are currently on a good track, and he believes we can be, quote, as much normal as we can be by the beginning of September when school begins. Now, mixed news at best, as that is obviously four months away, but more so considering, as we've discussed, that doesn't really take into account what theater will look like. Last month, the Broadway League president, Charlotte St. Martin, spoke about how September was originally the worst-case scenario, and now the best guess is that unless there is serious testing in place, we will be looking at September at the earliest. That falls in line with what we're seeing from small and large regional theaters, including the Kennedy Center, which announced it will be extending its shutdown from May 22nd through August 9th. That includes postponing the entire upcoming 14-week engagement of Hamilton, which was scheduled to play from June 16th through September 20th. A lot of the assumption at this moment is that we could be looking at early next year. That even comes from Sir Cameron McIntosh, who gave a recent interview with BBC Radio 2, where he said if we don't hear about lockdowns lifting in the next few weeks, quote, the truth is we won't be able to come back until early next year. Speaking of London theater after Tuesday, that seems to be the most likely scenario as the Society of London Theater announced it would be officially extending its West End coronavirus shutdown from May 31st to June 28th. In a statement, the organization, which represents venues across London's theater district, emphasized that this does not mean theaters will reopen on June 29th and that different theaters and productions are likely to reopen at different times. The extension comes weeks after a deal was struck between SOLT and UK Actors Union Equity, ensuring that West End performers who are currently under contract will be able to continue on those pre-existing terms and can start rehearsals and or performances with revised dates once the shutdown ends. Obviously massively important for actors across the pond for any current or upcoming shows, including one we received news of yesterday, the highly anticipated transfer of Sunday in the Park with George, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Annalie Ashford. 
That production, which was supposed to begin performances on June 11th at the Savoy Theatre, has now been delayed until 2021, new dates to be set later. At this point, we can really only celebrate postponements over cancellations, and while it may not bring a ton of comfort now, I can definitely say it's worth the wait, Londoners. In the interim, at least take comfort in knowing that when theaters do get up, they will hopefully be doing so in the safest means possible. Let's quickly touch on a couple of other news items from Tuesday, including, as I want to do, segueing from one Sondheim item to another. Yesterday, PBS announced it will explore the composer's work in a new Poetry in America episode entitled Finishing the Hat. Series creator Alyssa New will speak with Melissa Errico, Raul Esparza, and others to explore Sondheim's singular ability to blend lyrics and music, their words, not mine, by using the titular song as their case study. The trailer shows Esparza performing the song, Be Still My Whole Heart, and the episode will premiere on May 9th at 7.30pm. Check your local listings. And finally in the news, something very sweet from a place I miss very much. Todaytix has announced that it will be rebranding during the shutdown as Tomorrowtix. The theater ticketing app will be championing frontline workers by launching the Save a Seat Fund and will be seeking contributions to send frontline workers to the theater when the time comes. They will be partnering with charities and organizations across the country. Right now, they are offering up to 1,000 seats, but you can contribute to the fund to send as many workers as possible. 100% of the money raised goes into that initiative, and you can contribute at todaytix.com. Finally, a couple recommendations for the day. The first was actually released on Sunday night as part of the Guggenheim Works in Process Virtual Commission series. The most recent commission was from now Pulitzer winner Michael R. Jackson of A Strange Loop, who composed a beautiful song entitled Your Silence. Be sure to check that over at the Works in Process YouTube channel. And then over on Twitter, Rob McClure has been entertaining himself and everyone else in quarantine by doing a new short series called Conductor Cam, which is his version of the black and white pit conductor camera. It's so silly and hysterical and just the most recent episode, which it's an almost 40 second hurricane medley, which focuses on vamps and diction with Hurricane from Hamilton, and then it changes directions brilliantly. I cackled, if you know, you know, <laughs> so please watch that. And then part of this past weekend's Saving Lives Sunday benefit supporting the volunteer first responders of United Hatzalah of Israel, the band's visit star Adam Cantor joined Dudu Aron, Rona Lee Shimon, and Leon Elwazani for a three-language English, Hebrew, and Arabic rendition of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. They were also joined in the video by first responders and people whose lives were saved thanks to those volunteer first responders. Just a beautiful rendition of a song that moves me to tears on a good day. A definite must-watch for your Wednesday, and we will of course include a link to that and our other recommendations in today's show notes. That is all we have for you on this Wednesday, so thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. If you are willing and able, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon to back us if you haven't already, or head over to your podcasting platform of choice or Facebook to show us some love in the form of a review. 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at no, this is Ashley. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Stay tuned through the rest of the episode for James's interview with Matthew Aaron Stern, and we will be back to talk with you tomorrow. With us today, we have a very special guest. Matthew Aaron Stern is with us. Matt is a stage manager of 20-plus Broadway productions, including Finding Neverland, On the Town, Dr. Zhivago, Sideshow. That was the revival, right, Matt? Yes, it was. That was a revival of Sideshow. Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark, Hands on a Hard Body, Death of a Salesman, An Evening with Patty Lapone and Mandy Patinkin, Baby It's You, The Little Mermaid, Wicked, Fiddler on the Roof, Oldest Living Confederate, Widow Tells It All, The Phantom of the Opera, Enchanted April, The Full Monty, Play On. My goodness. Matthew, thank you for joining us at Broader Radio. It's my pleasure. It sounds like a lot when you say it like that. Yeah, I well, and the thing is, is that I'm not 100% sure, but I think you're the first stage manager on Broadway Radio. We've talked, we've spoken to producers, directors, designers, actors, of course, um, everything except I, I think you're the first stage manager. So welcome. It's my pleasure and honor to represent. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the year of the stage manager here, uh, 2020, uh, yeah. could, could there have been a more poignant year to have the year of the stage manager in, in what, what is happening right now with Broadway being shut down? No, it's actually been, uh, been quite poignant. And, uh, there's, uh, there's been some discussion. I believe, uh, the people who are organizing the movement year, of the stage manager 2020, it's actually being rebranded year of the stage manager 2020 to 21. <laughs> yeah. Because as we say, you know what? Mm-hmm. We deserve it. <laughs> we're we're going to take a year and a half. <laughs> uh, as, uh, as I've said before, if anybody's going to lead us out of this darkness, it's going to be a stage manager and it's going to oh, be on, on schedule. <laughs> so your list uh I'll put you a little bit on the spot here your list of shows here I mean Spider-Man I mean uh, that's uh that was quite the stage management feat I mean how many stage managers were on Spider-Man uh running the show It took seven stage managers it, I thought it was seven stage managers yeah Yes it's very unique in the way it was organized Usually you would have just one stage manager call the cues for the show. Spider-Man was so intense and so much was going on that they split that job into two. And one stage manager just called lighting cues and another stage manager called all the the automation and scenic flying. Well, we heard so much, you know, from the audience and the media perspective of, of all the stories and gossip in the Michael Riedel columns and everything about Spider-Man <laughs> turn off the dark. Uh, it, it seemed to be, you know, the most dangerous, the, the most dangerous show on Broadway, but then you, you did an evening with Mandy Patankin and Patty Lapone. So that could have been more dangerous. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, depending on your point of view. Yes. I, I have nothing but great experiences and great times on, on both shows, to be honest. Uh, Patty and Mandy were wonderful to work with. Um, I consider myself quite fortunate, fortunate that I never had to balance their needs with the needs of anybody else (laughs) doing a show that it's just Patty and Mandy. It's just about Patty and Mandy. So it was a pleasure to, to be a part of that process and watch those two amazing artists work. And then with Spider-Man as technically challenging as it was, it was a great time 
the company was wonderful. Uh, so many great people. When things got stressful in the office, we'd take out the little hula girl and no, not not a real hula girl. Yeah. It's a little, mm -hmm. a little uh, robot toy thing. And you, they just put that on and we would just dance around and shake off all the stress. And then when we got to the next, you know, important sequence, everything just becomes laser focused again. So you are the founder of uh, the Broadway Stage Management Symposium, which is uh, coming up uh, very soon. And as you and I spoke on the phone uh, last week, your original conception of this uh, symposium has changed a lot in the last couple of weeks. So tell us what the, uh, the stage, manage stage management symposium is going to be. Great. Well, in general, the Broadway Stage Management Symposium is a conference just for stage managers. It's built by stage managers for stage managers because we have little to no resources to support our own professional development once you get out of school. So this becomes a place where we can all get together. I can think of it like the world's largest stage manager's office. We go inside, we shut the door, and we can laugh, we can cry, you can ask any question you want. It's like the room of no judgment. So it's, it's very special that way. And as we were coming into this year, I kept holding out hope that, you know what? Everything's shut down in mid-March. We're not, we're not till the end of May. We'll be fine. And then obviously that we're not fine. We're still, you know, working through this. Um, so, uh, one of the alumni from the symposium called me and said, Matt, if you're thinking about continuing with the symposium online, I want, I want to do it. I want to help with it. I work for a company in Minneapolis, the 180 group, amazing people. She's like, I went to the symposium. I know what it's like. I know how special and wonderful an experience it is. And I want to help you recreate that all online. And I was frankly very touched. Um, and we started the conversation about what we could do, not just to have the panels, because we're all really used to, to, you know, talking heads and boxes on the screen, but to capture that the, the, people being in the same meeting new people from not just across around the country but around the world and building that connections and having those moments where you get to have the informal chat or meet a new person or explore new technologies or even that very special moment when the panel's over that everyone kind of comes up to the stage and has those those little special moments with one of the great broadway stage managers and gets to have that special exchange so we're creating all of that in a digital space. So you're going to be able to come into the room. And if you want to have a one-on-one -on -one with someone, you can say, Hey, I just want to meet someone and we'll automatically meet some new person or, Hey, there's a room over here. And that's for people who are, you know, from the Northeast. I want to go to that room or, Hey, there's a room for people who primarily work in dance. I'm going to go check out that room. And you can have all those informal chats where we would just, normally you'd grab your Starbucks coffee, a bagel and hang out. Well, Unfortunately, you'll have to provide your own coffee and your mm -hmm. own bagel, but we can still have all the interaction. So it's so exciting that we're going to be able to still come together. I've been using the hashtag alone together uh, to keep, keep me focused and motivated because we're, we're, it might be isolating or social distancing, but we're not alone. We can still be together. We can still exchange thoughts and ideas because um, no one understands stage managers unless you've actually been a stage manager. As much as we love everyone else we work with and all our collaborators, unless you've been through the gauntlet, you don't really get it. 
And so much of what we do is helping everyone else with their wants and needs to be in a space that only focus on our wants and our needs doesn't exist. Hmm. So it was so important to not just say, Hey, you know what? We're not going to do it this year. We'll, we'll do it when it comes around next year. We'll push it off a few months. I really wanted to try to find a way because it's necessary. It's vital. And even now more than ever that we have a space where we can come together and support each other and learn and grow and, you know, continue to keep our fires lit and be inspired. What was your path to stage management? I came at it like I think many people do through acting. Uh, I was a performer in junior high and high school and went to college at UC San Diego. And I was just so excited to be involved in a theater. I started volunteering for everything. So I volunteered to work on any show that came my way and started learning about stuff backstage. I started knowing about lights and started working as a lighting designer. I was an electrician at the La Jolla Playhouse, which was an amazing learning experience in an amazing theater. And um, I took a stage management class. So I volunteered a stage manager show. And then that led to me being recommended to actually a professional job. I got paid a hundred bucks to stage manage my first show. <laughs> and that wasn't a week. It was like, that was a flat fee. <laughs> it was the whole mm. thing. But I was thrilled. And they must've liked me because they asked me to do it again and again. And then I'm supervising the stage managers for that company. And then I'm working at La Jolla and they asked me, Matt, I know you're, you're a stage manager, but you're also an electrician. Or do you want to be the assistant lighting designer for a show that pays, you know, X amount of dollars for three weeks of work? Or do you want to be the PA on the show? It pays X amount of dollars for three months. I was like, I'll be the PA. That sounds great. And that little pivot there kind of sent me on my path from acting through lighting into, into stage management. And after a few years of doing that at La Jolla, they said, Matt, you've been doing this a few years. You want your equity card? I said, uh, sure. Sounds great. I guess I'm a professional stage manager now. <laughs> So did you work on any of the uh, the big shows that came through La Jolla uh, with Des McEnough that ended up oh, in New yeah. York? I was a follow spot op on the original Tommy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Did I you lose your hearing? No, I loved it. I lo Every moment on that show was great. The, when they painted the St. James yellow, I, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I used to live on 44th between 9th and 10th, and so I'd walk by the St. James every single day. Um and, but with the doors shut, you could still hear clearly what was going on in there. It was so loud, that show. <laughs> it was rock and roll. It, it was, I mean, I had a headset on, so yeah, know, sure. it was okay. <laughs> but it, it, it was, it was so much fun to do that. And then when the show went to New York, um, I asked the lighting designer, Chris Perry, um, yeah. he was one of our teachers. I was like, Hey, if I can get to New York, can you get me in to see the show? He's like, yeah, let me know when you're thinking about doing it before the show opens. So I flew to New York for 22 hours so I could go. They got me into the Wednesday matinee before they opened on a Thursday night. And they walked me into a seat and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> Crashed on a friend's couch and then flew back to San Diego to go back to school. So what was your transition from San Diego to New York? What was your first gig in New York? My first gig in New York was on Play On. Uh, it was the year that uh -huh. Titanic won all the Tonys. Um, it was a it was a flop. It only ran sixty performances, but it was very very special. I yeah. actually left La Jolla to go work at Ballet Iowa in Des Moines for a year. It's, I I'd say that was my chance to go from being a small fish in a big pond to being the big fish in the small pond. Uh -huh. 
And after a year being out there, I got a call from the old Globe where I had worked a bit, asking me to come in and fill the little gap they had in their stage management staff and assist on the end of one show and the beginning of the next. So I went. I it was summer. We were fine. I went. I went back to San Diego, and did the shows. Well, one of them was play on. So opening night, they announced this Broadway producer Mitchell Maxwell, and he's going to bring mm-hmm. play on to Broadway in the spring. Everyone's like, "Yay!" Screaming and cheering. I'm like shedding a little tear. I'm like, and I have to go back to Des Moines. Uh, <laughs> so I I made sure that everyone who I thought should know knew that I would do anything if I would have the opportunity to move with the show to New York in any capacity. Well, again, they must have liked me enough. Someone went to bat for me and I got offered a position as a PA on the show. Um, The show was going to open in New York with a Broadway experience production stage manager. Our San Diego PSM would be the first and a Broadway experienced uh, New York second assistant and I would be the PA. After the show opened, the San Diego stage manager would go back to San Diego to be with her family. She's married with kids. And I would, Jimmy Lee would bump up to be the first. I would bump up to be the second. So I, I did what I call the outside in, the regional theater transfer. Mm. Made it to New York. And then 60 performances later, I was gainfully unemployed with one <laughs> Broadway show under my belt. <laughs> and did you uh, stay in New York or did you travel around? Uh, the answer is yes. as most often is yeah uh i got a phone call from a friend of mine from high school who was on the greece tour and this wasn't the more recent greece revival the one that laura osnes and max Uh that. this was the the pink one that originally started with rosie rosie o'donnell yeah Yeah. um so the tour was sally struthers mackenzie phillips and adrian zamed fabulous people um so my friend farah said, hey, Matt, our stage manager is leaving the tour six weeks before we close. You should get the job and come on out on tour. I was like, sure, that sounds great. How do I do that? Well, the general manager from Play On, Charlotte Wilcox, oh, yeah, was Charlotte the same general manager office. from Greece. Yeah. So I just called up the office and said, hi, I hear you may be looking for a stage manager on their Greece tour. I would love to do it, love to be considered. She said, all right. Set up an interview with the PSM who was in town. We met at the Starbucks on 51st Street, and uh, the first question always is, well, have you toured? Well, fortunately for me, with Ballet Iowa, we had done that nutcracker thing a couple times, <laughs> so I was able to say, yes, I've toured. Okay, great. Uh, so I went out and did the last six weeks of the Grease Tour, uh, which was a great experience, had a wonderful time. Uh, some, some of my dear friends today are from that, that company. That closed, and I was like, all right, what do I do now? So I went to go visit my mom in Florida. Uh, I want to say about a week later, I get a phone call from Paul Smith, who's doing Grease on Broadway. He says, hey, Matt, we need, a, we need a sub here for you know a few months while you know Scott goes off to do Chicago's in Europe. Um, are you available? Said, yeah, I would love to. Thanks. Well, when do you need me? Well, could you start tomorrow? I said, sure. Hung up the phone and said, Mom, I'm leaving. <laughs> so... Hop, hop the plane, flew back up to New York, and uh, went to work uh, at the O'Neill for about three months with uh, Lucy Lawless and then uh, Linda Blair as That's our right. yeah. <laughs> as as our uh, uh, in, as our stars in the show. Yeah. So um, uh, you know, aside from being a, a Broadway stage manager with uh, Twenty Smart Productions, and you've mentioned some of the tours you've done. Uh, you've also done work for 
really large companies, Google, Samsung, Facebook, Lenovo, Lexus, Volkswagen. I mean, uh, you're, you piece together a stage management career similar to how actors piece together, you know, commercials and industrials and things like that. So tell us, um, is this all part of, um, the stage manager, uh, the symposium and how you help and build a network of stage managers to help each other get work and give experience to each other? Uh, the simple answer again is yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, the, my corporate event work really came into being by total accident. I was doing Fiddler on the Roof, the Alfred Molina that then became the Harvey Firestein revival. Mm -hmm. Um, and a company wanted to buy out the theater for a night for an event and hire some of the actors to perform. Well, they needed someone to stage manage the show and I had to be there anyway. So they said, Hey Matt, you want to stage manage it? I said, uh, Sure. Sounds great. That was my very first experience with any sort of corporate event, which some people call industrials or corporate theater. And I wound up working with that company for about three years in a variety of capacities. I stage stage managed trade shows for uh, Harcourt that they were doing as a client. I was the media manager for a online construction management program, hmm. like some weird stuff. But it was all the same skill set. Sure. It was all managing logistics, time, people, resources. And then that just led to another and another because there's this weird little uh, offshoot of Broadway stage managers gone corporate. Mm-hmm. And it's ironic that you bring it up because this year at the symposium, we're actually going to have a panel all about that with a half dozen different Broadway stage managers who now don't do Broadway. They do these big corporate events. Um, and have been exceptionally uh, successful. So that, um, so I kind of started balancing those two kind of at the same time. I wasn't doing a show, so I do some events or asking for time off from a show to do this big event. And uh, after a while, I was when Finding Neverland closed. I just had a lot of corporate event work, and so I wasn't really pursuing Broadway shows because all all this event stuff just kept coming. And ironically, that while doing these events in various places, I some I sometimes wind up needing people. So I'm in Nashville, and it's like, we need some extra PAs for this. Does anyone know anyone? I was like, well, hold on a second. I go on the Broadway Stage Management Symposium alumni-only Facebook group, type in there, hey, who's near Nashville and available for the next two days? Hmm. Send. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I-, I am. I'm an hour away, but I can drive. I was like, hey, great. Here's the info come on in. Mm -hmm. So the networking aspect becomes so crucial to building a career as a stage manager because it's so personal. The the hard skills anyone can learn and know how to make paperwork or call cues, but those soft skills, the interpersonal relationships that, you know, dealing with people for 10, 12, 16 hours a day sometimes um, knowing that someone you can trust and have their back and who you can appreciate and who will support you, um, who will balance you. Uh, so we often are reaching out to our friends, associates, colleagues, the people we know, and in turn, the people they know when they're not available. For example, well, I got the job on Death of a Salesman because the three other stage managers who were asked to be the assistant stage manager were unavailable. Mm-hmm. So it was really ironic that I was actually doing Patty and Mandy 
And uh, I called a friend at stage managing a show across the street and said, Hey, um, Ira, what are you doing? You want to grab dinner uh, between shows? I said, well, I'm having, we're going to the Edison with my assistants to have dinner. Why don't you join us? Okay, great. So we're chatting and he says, Hey, what are you doing after this? Like, I don't know, nothing. It's like, well, Jill's looking for an assistant for death of a salesman. Uh, would you, 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 would you be interested? I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, I met with Jill. We had a great time and I was the happiest fourth choice ever. Which salesman was this? Was this the Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. one? Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Andrew Garfield. Wow. What a, yeah. what a cast. Oh, it was amazing. Oh, yeah. Directed by Mike Nichols. It yeah. was just, it was like a masterclass every single day in rehearsal. You just watch the evolution of the show because it was very seamless how rehearsals would just kind of morph into our run through. And you'd be like, okay, now we're not, we're done with story time with Mike and now we're actually running the show. I better huh. start playing some sound cues and stuff. <laughs> you've mentioned really. a few times that you've uh, either you, you've sell, you've looked for subs or you, you've subbed yourself. And some of the Broadway shows that you've subbed on are Come From Away, The Lion King, and the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Uh, what's it like to be uh, – were they last-minute things and you had to jump in, or were you able to prepare for those things? And what's that like? Yeah, none of those were last minute. It was all stuff scheduled in advance. Uh, the great thing about subbing as a stage manager is when anything really kind of, you know, in big issues come up, you can you can say, I'll take the note and give it to the other stage managers. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you're there to fill, and unless you're there yeah. for a long period of time, you know, you, you know, you come in as an understudy. Basically, mm -hmm. you learn the show and you're available when, when they need someone to come in. Because as stage managers, we don't carry a lot of understudies. And as much as you'd like to think that, uh, you know, a Broadway show, a, a Broadway musical has to have a minimum of three stage managers. Sometimes the show actually takes three stage managers to run it. So if it takes three and you only have three, if someone's sick or on vacation, you have to bring in a sub. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun. You have to be really quick on your feet. I think I've been very, very fortunate that. I absorb material pretty quickly. I have what I think is a good methodology on how I write my notes effectively to help me remember everything. When I would come back to Lion King, I would, would sub there sometimes. If I if it's been a while, I would come and we do all our pre-show stuff. Then I'd say, okay, I'm going to go rehearse myself. I'd excuse myself. I'd walk out to the stage and I'd literally walk through all my cues to make sure I get get some of that muscle memory back, remind myself of anything I may be you know, cloudy on or foggy, ask about that, check on any changes. Because uh, you have a very important job to do. And although most of the times backstage, if everything's going well, it should be, should be pretty boring. Everything should be happening when it's supposed to. But we all know life happens. People are people. You know, scenery doesn't always work. Um, so I could be backstage and an actor says, I'm not feeling well. Okay, now you have to deal with that. You know, mm -hmm. tell Tell, say it on headset right away. Find out what's the protocol they have. Okay, uh, who do we have to get in? Is there someone who needs some important bit of business they have to do? They'll say, okay, tell this person to do to do ABC. Okay, who's that person? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're wearing the zebra. Okay, great. <laughs> tell them. Um, or, or, or you just turn around. You turn around to the first actor and you say, "Where's ABC?" <laughs> You're like, "Oh, yes. they're over there." Okay. <laughs> No, you have to be able to be quick on your feet, but it, it's fun because it, it keeps it different, you know, every day going into come from away and just being able to watch that show every night. is just so special. Like this is really, really beautiful.
So, um, stage management has changed in the last, uh, you know, 15 years or so, 20 years or so with, uh, all sorts of new technology being introduced on stage and also technology involving how you run the show and how you keep your notes and things like that. Do you have anything that you're particularly fond of? Well, it's going to sound extremely low tech, but I'm a big fan of the finger light. <laughs> you can you can find yeah. them you can find them online for like you know pennies you could buy a hundred of them for less than fifteen <laughs> bucks but I find it a super effective tool because I can put the light on my finger and mm-hmm. I don't have to hold the flashlight to read my notes uh, so yeah. if I have my notes especially when you're subbing or early on in a show you know if you're in tech I've got my notes and I've been carrying tons of stuff I want to be able to hold my notes and read them. But I also need my other hand to either activate my microphone or to page a curtain or to hand to grab a prop or hold an actor's hand or whatever it may be. So if my hand has a flashlight and my hand and my notes, I have I only have two. So I can wear this little finger light on my finger. I can turn it on and off with a little switch. And now I can see, you know, it's not (laughs) the brightest. It's one LED light, (laughs) but I can read my notes. And in a pinch, I can light up a step. And so somebody doesn't trip, uh, mm. it's, it's a silly little, little, little thing, but I love it. And every time I show up at a new place with it, they're like, what's that? Like, <laughs> it's basically an led light, a battery and a rubber band. <laughs> well, you have to have, uh, those made for the Broadway stage manager <laughs> symposium with yeah. uh, little, little, uh, <laughs> tchotchkes on it. Oh, totally. Well, since the first year in 2015, Every stage manager who attends a symposium gets a finger light. <laughs> you see? That's yeah. a great idea. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, they're too small to actually brand, but mm. it's still a great little tool and I'm so I get so excited to share it with people. When you are meeting with people who uh maybe friends or family and you try to explain to them what you do, what do you tell them? How do you tell what do you tell them a Broadway stage manager does for people who are not in theater? Yeah, the, the simplest explanation for lay people is, uh, or civilians, as I sometimes call them, yeah. are I'm the on-site supervisor. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm middle management, so I'm not in charge, but I'm the person in charge in the building. So anything that, that any changes that happen, if an a actor calls out sick or a piece of scenery breaks or setting the rehearsal schedule, all that falls to me and to the stage management team as a whole, because our job simply put is to get the best show possible on stage every night. Now that word possible is really important because things happen. It's not always exactly the way it was staged on opening night. Life happens, but our job is to try to make it as close to that as possible. So I you, you try to explain part of our job is calling cues is, mm-hmm. is the technical version of the conductor of the orchestra. But instead of yeah. a woodwind section, I have lighting. Instead of strings, I have scenery. You know, instead of the brass, there's sound. Um, you know, instead, you know, instead of uh, the brass section, I've got the flies. So instead of waving my hands around, I have a cue light panel. I say the word "go" a lot. So you um, you, you brought up a good point that. Um... An analogy to your job is that the the conductor the conductor's in charge of a large group of people and you're in charge of a large group of uh, people and and things that happen. 
um, you do you have to, um, uh, communicate with the conductor to keep your guy to keep you guys on the same page? Yes. Yeah. The, the conductor usually will have a handset that they can pick up and talk to mm-hmm. me over the comm. Yeah. Then they put it down. Mm-hmm. In addition, they would have a cue light so I can flip my switch on. They see the light and they know that that's either a cue or if I'm flashing it furiously that they need to pick up the phone <laughs> and talk the to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, what sometimes happens is the conductor is talking with, you know, some of the players or whatnot. It's like, I'm flashing light. He's not picking up. He's not picking up, you know, this would be before the show. And you have to send down one of the stage managers to say, Hey, can, can you pick up the phone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but that's rare. You know, the, the conductor, like the sound engineer mixing the show doesn't want to have stuff on their ears. Sure. If at all possible. So they need to be able to hear but also communicate so the system the light and the handset they can pick up tends to be the solution for that so tell us who should go to the uh symposium uh is this a place for beginners intermediary uh people who are have 20 years of experience what who is the ideal person or sets of people that should go to the symposium Uh, simply put anyone who's interested in stage management. I mean, and quite sincerely, we've had everything from people who are in high school studying stage management, just learning about it, to people who teach stage management at the college level, to professionals from Cirque du Soleil, professionals from the cruise ship industry. It really is all-encompassing. There's nothing that we cover that is like, oh, you know, you're too experienced for that, or you don't have enough experience to understand it. Because so much of what we do is the people skills and sharing that knowledge and that experience for what the Broadway stage managers have is illuminating, inspiring for everyone. So if you're interested in stage management at any level, it's a great way to meet people, to connect, build your network, to find a sense of community. Because often if you're working for a dance company, you might be the only stage manager. So who else understands what you're going through? How else are you learning and growing when you don't have colleagues who understand your job around to collaborate with? You know, (laughs) if you're coming from a cross industry, if you're teaching, you know, you can come as an educator and be like, okay, here are some other perspectives to either reinforce what I'm doing or give me tools to what I can take back to the classroom. If you're early or mid or mid in your career, what a great way to grow your network. What a great way to get face to face with the Broadway pros at the, at the top of their craft. You know, I'll often sit down and have lunch with a, you know, a colleague or friend and they're like, Hey, I've got some resumes from people who want to be PAs on my show. Some of them have Broadway stage management symposium listed. Do you, can you tell me about any of these folks? I'll be like, I'd be happy to, <laughs> you know? So it's, it, it's really great on just about every level. And when we're not in pandemic and you come, you get free coffee and <laughs> bagels and nosh because you got to have nosh. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the expo, which we haven't yet touched on. We have a lot of great tech partners who have products and services designed for stage managers. So it's a great chance to go and check out. Let's get your hands. You know, let's go talk to the guy who invented stage, right? Let's go see what this cool, these cool Danish theater makers have created in Q to Q. I can make my digital prompt script. Or what has, what's this virtual call board I hear about? How can I use that to make 
me more efficient and effective at my job. If I can add one other thing that we're doing special this year, sure. normally we would have an add-on where you can attend a Broadway show and then we'd have a Q&A with the stage managers afterwards. This was one of the quite challenging things to figure out for this year, but Broadway HD stepped up and are partnering with us and everyone who attends will get a free month subscription to Broadway HD. So on that Saturday night, May 30th, we're all going to watch a Broadway show and we're going to have the stage managers from that show hang out with us and do a Q&A with us afterwards. Well, that sounds really amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be so much fun. How often do you get to watch a show and chat with the stage managers on the show at the same time? <laughs> Never. Well, it's an amazing thing. Uh, congratulations on that. I want to thank you for joining us on Broadway Radio and remind our listeners that uh, – Matt Stern is a Broadway stage manager with more than 20 credits, and he is also the creator and founder of the Broadway Stage Management Symposium. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. It's coming up on Saturday, May 30th, 2020, and Sunday, May 31st, 2020. And it's an online event now this year. It's been face-to-face uh, -face in previous years, and hopefully we'll get back to be face-to-face -face in the future. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on Broadway Radio. My pleasure. Thank you.